welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series of the Book of Romans, with part two of this message entitled, The Absolute Freedom of God. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 9, verse 16. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we pray that you, by the preaching of your word, soften our hearts, humble us, and may we submit ourselves freely to your beneficent sovereign rule. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first conclusion comes to us in Romans 9 and verse 16. It does not therefore depend on man's will or man's effort but on God who shows mercy. It means Salvation, mercy. Your salvation does not depend on your willing and your running. It doesn't depend on your efforts. It depends entirely upon God's mercy. That salvation of a sinner Depends not on anything the sinner wills or does. Why is it, sir? Because we are told in Romans chapter 5, the sinner is without strength. He's ungodly. He's an enemy of God. How can he merit any mercy? We are told he is dead in trespasses and sins. We are told he is the object of God's wrath. He is a son of disobedience. He is pervasively sinful in his thinking, in his willing, and in his affections. What he needs is a spiritual resurrection. He needs a new heart. He needs Holy Spirit. All human willing and actions are not the cause of his salvation. But the result of God's showing mercy to him. God demands... That you must be born again. But you cannot be born again. He demands new life. And what he demands, thank God, he grants it. He demands repentance. And he grants repentance. He demands faith. And he grants faith. He demands fruit of the Spirit. And he grants the fruit of the Spirit. He demands good works. And he enables you to do good works. 
So we are not saying that you are willing and running are unnecessary and have no relevance. Yes, they have relevance as response. Necessary response to God's mercy shown to you. So we read 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. 1 Corinthians 9, 26. Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. He runs. He fights with a purpose. But the point is, it is because God has enabled him to do so. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. To will and to do his good pleasure. Salvation, friends of sinners, depends entirely on God, who in his sovereign freedom shows mercy to some sinners. So we boast. Yes, we do boast, sir. We boast in God. We praise God. We worship God. We obey God with delight. Because he has shown mercy to me. The fourth point is the second response of God. The second quotation of scripture. Exodus 9.16 quoted in Romans 9 and verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you. And that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And this quotation, again, is in response to the arrogant question of the proud man. Revealed in verse 14, is God unjust? So Paul now quotes a second scripture, Exodus 9, 16. This scripture not only deals with God's showing mercy to some, but also deals with why God deals with many in his wrath, in his justice. Why does God harden many sinners? It explains why Esau was hated and why the majority of the Jews of Paul's day rejected Christ their Messiah here again scripture puts an end to all argument 
Scripture settles all disputations and our wrong questionings of the Almighty. God welcomes your question if you are interested in understanding. Just like parents should welcome the questions of children because they are seeking understanding. When you read Exodus 9.16, the scripture did not speak to Pharaoh. Who spoke to Pharaoh? God spoke to Pharaoh through Moses. The point here is, when the Bible says, scripture says, it means God says. Let me ask you, when you read the scripture, do you understand God is speaking to you. And you're all hearing. Your mind is alert. It is prepared. It is working the hardest. To understand what God is saying. So you can do it. When you read the scripture. God is speaking to you. When parents speak to children. God is speaking When pastor preaches the word, God is speaking to you. People must pay attention. Believe the word and obey it. Obedience is required when God speaks. Let me give you an example. Ephesians 4.32 in which God is speaking. And what what does it say? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as God forgave you in Christ. Who is speaking? God is speaking. Forgive your brother just as God forgave you in view of Christ's death on the cross. When the scripture speaks, God is speaking. When parents speak, God is speaking. When pastor speaks, God is speaking. When they speak in accordance with the scripture. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, St. Paul says, And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God... Which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. In verse 17, he's saying, God raised up the Exodus Pharaoh for a specific purpose. Professor Hodge of Princeton says, For this purpose have I raised thee up and placed thee where thou art instead of cutting thee off at once. Friends, you are sitting where you are sitting by divine purpose. God brought this Pharaoh on the scene of history and preserved him alive for a long time for a divine purpose. 
for God's own glory. All creation exists. Inanimate and rational creation exists for one purpose only. For the glory of God. Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus are also raised up for doing God's purpose. Not only the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. The steps of a wicked man also are ordered of the Lord. Angels and humans exist for God's glory. Hell and heaven exist for God's glory. Verse 17 gives us a twofold purpose. That in you, first purpose, in you my power may be displayed for all to see. My power that destroys and my power that saves. Same power of God. God's power was manifested in the ten plagues. God, through his outstretched arm, punished Egypt, Egyptians, Pharaoh, and especially the gods of Egypt. Friends, do you want to know God's power in judgment? Read about the ten plagues. Also read about his power in the destruction of the armies of Egypt in the Red Sea. His power is displayed in Pharaoh in his defeat and destruction for God's glory. Exodus 15, 3 and 4, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. Exodus 15, 6 and 7. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. God is glorified when he destroys the wicked. The same power of God displayed in Pharaoh was also saving power. God saved Israel by his mercy through that same power. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. Same dunamis. Same power. Destroys Pharaoh. And God is glorified. And the same power saves his people. And God is glorified. Yes, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. 
to everyone who believes. God raised up this Pharaoh for also to fulfill God's additional purpose. And what is that? That my name be declared throughout the whole earth. Not only that you know God is great. But he wants the whole world to know that he and he alone is great and glorious. All peoples of the earth must know who their creator is and who runs the universe. God will not tolerate people walking about in ignorance of who is the creator and who is the governor of the universe. So the apostles were told to go into all the earth and make disciples of all nations by preaching the gospel. That Christ was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. That Christ died for our sins and raised for our justification. That God demonstrated his greatest power in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead. And they must go and tell the whole world, therefore repent, believe, and be saved, and glorify God. Because he demands that you glorify him. He demands that all creation, angels and demons and humans, know God in all his attributes and glorify him. And so Exodus 7 verse 5 And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. He is interested in the wicked to know. Exodus 10, 1 through 2. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials so that I may perform these miraculous signs of mine among them. What's the purpose? That you may tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them that you, the people of God, may know that I am the Lord. The wicked may know and his people may know. So the spies were sent to Palestine and Rahab tells the spies, Joshua 2, 9 and 10, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and all the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. And you read the book of Ezekiel and you see this again and again and again that you may know that I am God, that they may know that I am God. Ezekiel 6, 7, your people will fall slain among you and you will know that I am the Lord. 
Ezekiel 6:10, and they will know that I am the Lord. I did not threaten in vain to bring this calamity on them. The power of God may be displayed in you and by name may be declared throughout the earth. Ezekiel 6 verse 13. And they will know that I am the Lord when their people lie slain among their idols around their altars on every high hill and on all mountain tops under every spreading tree and every leafy oak places places where they offered fragrant incense to all their idols I'll kill them and they will know that I'm the Lord let us have a respect for God he kills and he saves for the purpose that his name be glorified. Friends, God will not tolerate creation belittling him. Inanimate creation glorifies him. The heavens declare his glory. And he demands rational creation do the same when he saves and when he judges. As believers, we are to display God's glory by worshiping and serving God. And this purpose is disclosed especially in Isaiah. Chapter 43, verse 21, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. In your life, in your speech, in your work, in your married life, in your work life, in your going, in your coming, one thing God demands that you declare his praise. Isaiah 44 verse 23, Sing for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, O earth beneath, burst into song, you mountains, you forests and all your trees. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel so that you will display his glory. That's a purpose, sir. Isaiah 61 verse 3 and provide for those who grieve in Zion. God does it to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. That's what showing mercy is all about. The oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of God's splendor. There's a purpose for your life, sir. First Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. That's the purpose of your life. And when you do that, you are happy. When you don't do that, you are most miserable. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, You were bought at a price, therefore what? Honor God with your body. 
Philippians 1, 20 and 21, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Friends, this is the chief purpose of God and this is the chief end of man. Glory of God. Sinner always calls attention to himself. He is an exhibitionist. He is a narcissist. He uses every bit of technology to show himself off. He has no interest in the display of God's glory. I said he's a narcissist. He uses every bit of technology to show himself off. True Christians display God's glory by which he is transformed into the image of Christ. So there is Verse 18, the final conclusion. So what conclusion we arrive at from the two scriptures Paul cited? A sinner is eternally saved because God chose to show mercy to him. That's the conclusion. God's mercy sends us to heaven. Sends us who merited hell. What then is the ground of it all? The fundamental thing is the will of God, the sovereignty of God, the absolute freedom of God. And he's showing me mercy did not depend on my willing or my running. There is a twofold exercise of this determinative will of God. God shows mercy on whom he wills to show mercy. And God hardens whom he wills to harden. That's why your mother doesn't want to believe in Jesus Christ. This hardening is God's judicial abandonment of sinners. He is not making sinless people sinful. Did you hear that, sir? He hardens sinner Pharaoh to become more hard toward God. And every means of grace shown to him only hardened him the more. Every time Moses came to Pharaoh, he came with means of grace. And he rejected That means okay. The scripture speaks of God hardening Pharaoh more times than it speaks of Pharaoh hardening himself 14 times. Nine times it says God hardened him. Five times it says he was hardened. Nine plus five, 14 times. Pharaoh illustrates divine reprobation which is the counterpart of divine election. Pharaoh illustrates 
the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Pharaoh illustrates why Esau and the majority of Jews and Gentiles are those whom God hardens in his discriminating will of God. Friends, I want you to know one thing. Few are chosen to eternal salvation. Few, sir. Few. Many are vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. So listen to Jesus enter through the narrow gates. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only few find it. This is a mystery, sir. Few are in the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Others are outside the kingdom of God, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Outside, where the rich man is in fire, in agony, in torment, in hell. Do you believe that, sir? The moment you die, if you are outside of Christ, you go to hell. The moment you die, sir... Revelation 20 verse 15, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 21 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their praise will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Revelation 22 15, outside are the dogs. Those who practice magic art, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Romans 1.28, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Let me read to you from Psalm 76, verse 10. And you praise God for this verse too. Surely your wrath against men brings you glory. If you don't like it, there's a problem. Surely your wrath against men brings you praise and glory. Acts 4, 27 and 28, indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Psalm 105 verse 25, Egyptians whose hearts he turned To hate his people. God turned Egyptians heart to hate his people. So that he could destroy them. 2 Thessalonians 2. For this reason God sends them a powerful delusion. So that they will believe the lie. Oh they are educated people. Very sophisticated people. But God sends them. 
delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Proverbs 16 verse 4, the Lord works out everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for the day of disaster. If your son is not listening to you, I am speaking by way of application. If your daughter refuses to obey you again and again, it may be that God is hardening his or her heart being object of God's wrath prepared for destruction not objects of mercy prepared for glory you must make conclusion I'm not speaking about occasional disobedience I'm speaking about a pattern of rebellion obduracy, obstinacy then eventually pastor must conclude, father must conclude, mother must conclude. God is going to destroy. People come for counseling but they refuse to listen and yield to the will of God. God hardens the evil heart of Pharaoh to increase his obduracy to do greater evil. The lost are not made to disbelieve God. They are sinners who by nature refuse to believe the gospel. Those sinners who are shown mercy are made able to believe God. God withholds special grace to the non-elect. He gives special grace only to the elect. Friends, the sinner without special grace goes from one degree of hardness to the nth degree of hardness. Yet he elects and reprobates, saves and condemns without prejudice to his character of being just. Election of sinners to salvation and reprobation of sinners to damnation are within God's sovereign righteous freedom. Both according to the glory of his name. Let me ask you a few questions and give you some reason to consolation and hope. What do we hear? What do we learn from this unconditional election? What does unconditional election mean? Your salvation has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God's mercy and God's love. God shows you mercy because he shows you mercy. God loves you because he loves you. Let me say a few things and be careful to listen. What do we learn? Number one, no sinner is beyond God's ability to save and be shown mercy. Is that one? God showed mercy to the chief of sinners... St. Paul. 
So he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. If you are the worst, then you have hope. God sent his son to save sinners. And every sinner is chief of sinners because we send against the infinite God. That makes us chief of sinners. Number three. Though we are ignorant of the mystery of our eternal election. We can appeal to God's mercy. The scripture directs us. The publican stood afar. Will not look up to heaven. He was beating his breast and cried out. Have mercy upon me a sinner. The thief who mocked Jesus Christ finally sobered up and cried out at the last moment, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. The leper comes to Jesus and says, I know you are able to heal me. But I don't know whether you are willing. Whether you have elected me. I don't know that. Nobody knows. Jesus said I am willing. He moved with compassion. He touched him. And saved him. Number four. Plead for mercy. Not for justice. God is plenteous in mercy. Mercy sends us to heaven. Justice sends us to hell. Number five. If you repent and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. To live for his glory. Then know that the root of your salvation. Goes deep into God's eternal election of you. So nothing can topple you. You will never perish. Number six. Glory in mercy shown to you because nothing but God's mercy can save you. Number seven, proclaim this mercy to other sinners beginning in your own house. And finally, let me direct you to Psalm 95 quoted in Hebrews 3 and 4. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. This is the moment of God's mercy. You are hearing his voice, that he is merciful. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you. For you are God. You are sovereign. You are absolutely free to dispose of creatures at your will and pleasure. You showed mercy to chief of sinners. We merited hell 
you have taken us to heaven by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god lord soften our hearts please do not harden our hearts soften our hearts may the word like rain fall upon our heart soften our hearts that we may repent and believe on the lord jesus that we may be saved you have been listening to grace and glory audio a part two of this message entitled the absolute freedom of god come back soon for more transforming bible teaching from pastor pg matthew